Hello, podcast listeners. Clay and Travis are back at it again. The bad boys you know and love have put together another girls gone kind of mediumly sedated in a drunken, I don't know, just kind of stand around and camera shoved in their face. Actually, it's me and Daniel, the bad boys What's you know up? and love, with back with another best of Dare Daniel podcast. Um, we're still we're still on official hiatus, but we are checking in with you guys to bring you intros to the best of episodes, episodes that we have a particular fondness for. Would like for you guys to take another listen to while we reformat, rejigger, rethink, and reimagine the show. You don't want to hear any more from me. Let me introduce my man, the co-host, the eponymist, Dare Daniel himself, Daniel Barnes. What's up, Dan? What's up? I also go by my DJ name, Lucky Chucky. (laughs) I get crazy talking about how women are bad. (laughs) Lucky Chucky just doesn't care who's cagey rattles. Oh, hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to Best of Dare Daniel. I hope you guys are enjoying these intros and these revisits of some of our favorite episodes. We kind of ran through all of like the top most popular episodes. So now we're in, you know, kind of mildly popular or even like wildly unpopular <laughs> episodes, like our uh, Collision Course episode from two weeks ago. Um, so yeah, happy to be back here again and happy to be talking about... A little film called Old Fashioned, Corky. Yes. Why? Why Old Fashioned? What? What made you want to revisit this this love story about a man who cannot be alone with a woman, and a woman who should never be alone with anyone? Old Fashioned. This was my choice for a revisit on the best of because I have a soft spot for it because mm. the sketches of a good movie are actually in here. It's not mm. like the movies we watch where. It's just obviously ineptly shot. Um, they're working with a shoestring budget, but they make it work. They find locations. They know how to set a camera. They know, how, you know, so the, the acting's competent for, I'd say, 85% of the cast. Um, <laughs> it's just, it holds a soft spot for two reasons. One, because of the it's a passion project of a yeah. man who seems devoid of passion. Uh, and... <laughs> He puts himself front and center in this thing and is the worst thing about it. Uh, No, no. He's the second worst thing about it. Uh, The the worst thing about it is the whole concept of it is. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But that's all him. But that's all him, too. So it's part and parcel. Rick's. Rick Swartzwelder. Yeah. The director, producer, writer, star of old fashioned uh, r- and right. he's he's part of that 15 he's that key 15 oh, percent of the cast he makes, he makes up a large not good he's 14.9 percent of that a personality black hole from which no charisma can ever escape and, <laughs> like, like, you know he imagines himself as writer producer director <laughs> star greatest guy uh obvious hero local yes. legend that's that's the way he, i think his tagline is <laughs> Um, it's such a just a, a testament. This movie is a testament to what a great guy he is, and uh, he's the worst. He's the absolute worst. Oh, he's really terrible. Yeah, his his whole like holier than thou attitude that like permeates this movie. Like his whole thing is that he used to be like kind of a, a girls gone wild style smut peddler, 
And now he's, well, he didn't find Jesus. Jesus found him, which we later find out, you know what? You grew up deeply religious. Like he so undersells it. Like if, if on his OkCupid profile, he, he put not super religious. And then you went out with this guy five <laughs> seconds in, you'd be like, what the fuck? What else did you lie <laughs> yeah. about? You fucking liar. Five seconds into your first date where you're meeting his pastor. That's, <laughs> <laughs> that's where he goes on his first date. And he's like, Hey, just as a heads up, we can't be alone together. Yeah. Like we can't even be alone, like in a room. Like we can't even just like talk to each other. Like it's, it's so upsetting. Um, yeah, it's, it's very misleading. And he has this whole line about dating, which oh. is really key key to the movie where he says that he doesn't date and he doesn't alone in a room with women. I mean, the implication, of course, is that if he's alone with them, just kapow, yeah. they're just t- ripping each other's They're breaking off seven of the Ten Commandments. Uh, right, at least. A minimum. Yeah. Minimum. And that's if no animals are in the room. I mean, if the... An- <laughs> I, if- <laughs> He can't be alone with animals either. <laughs> he can't, right? Like, what the fuck is up with this dude? But he has this whole line that where he says, dating doesn't prepare us to be good husbands and wives. First of all, that's not good first date chatter. No. Nope. Just as a heads up, because mm-hmm. he's like on a date at this point when he says that line. But then also, it's one of those things where it's like, semantically, I bet he felt that sounded really good. Yeah. But then it's like... Well, wait, hey, first of all, they do. Yeah. They do because it allows you to get to know the person who might be your potential life partner. And then second of all, like, what is this other training that you're doing that is not dating? That is prepared, <laughs> Like sitting alone in a room, like watching Meet John Doe is preparing you for marriage? Like, yeah, being a weird creep is like that doesn't – being alone, that's that's not preparation for marriage. That's yeah. Well, so he, according to him, preparation for marriage is sitting next to each other, not talking, but reading from the same instructionary rule books. <laughs> yes, and that's a date that prepares you for marriage for him. So I guess his marriage, his wedding, is or his whole life is just going to be sitting next to his wife, not talking, reading from the same book, uh, and just generally not enjoying each other's company. I mean, that just sounds wonderful. Oh, yeah. Life. Decades of that. Magic. Please. Yeah. Uh, no, it's just like he he's too ho- like his holier than thou attitude. He's too holy for church. Like he says he's not it's religious church. and he doesn't go to church. And it's like it's because he's too pure yeah. for fucking church. He's like Anya Taylor Joy's dad in The Witch. He's like, <laughs> you know, d- dude, you're too weirdly religious for this Puritan community. We can't handle your shit, dude. You need to be out in the woods just chopping logs and and do it's it's yeah it's it's an insane thing. But again, it's in the the kind of overall form of this like very sweet old fashioned yeah, romantic it. comedy kind of a thing, right? Where they're really kind of pushing these very pure values, but there's nothing to to glean from this. There's nothing healthy no. to glean from anything that that he's doing or saying here. So, Corky, favorite scene or a most memorable scene? What's the scene that really sticks out with you when you think about this movie that we reviewed what, maybe like 2 or 3 years ago, I think? specifically the scene where this woman who as we find out the way she decides where to live is that she just fills up a jar of money once that money jar is full she just takes off and drives right fills her car fills her and car. then when the car runs out of gas yeah stops there stops at that town and that's where she fills up the- so she makes <laughs> incremental like she only moves like you know 300 miles away each time and then lives off the whatever's in the jar i guess but when when you find that out 
the apartment she gets, she's already listening to this Lucky Chucky call-in show. She mm. knows the number of the call-in show, gets right through to this nationally syndicated <laughs> talk show from Podunk, Ohio, and uh, then is chastised, properly chastised to where she's like, yeah, you're right, women are the asshole in this situation. Right. Uh, just Schwartzwelder's <laughs> mastery of writing women is shines through this whole movie. It's really something else. Yeah, the what kind of stuck out to me, I mean, again, obviously, just the overall holier-than-thou-ness um, of the movie in that line about dating. There's also this scene uh, set at a birthday party where she's been invited by his friends unwittingly because he's making, like, he's making a concerted attempt to not get to know this person, yes. right? So he's then asked about, during the party, they, they are sort of like kind of semi-flirting with each other a little bit. And he's asked, like, what would be your perfect honeymoon? His perfect honeymoon. And remember, this is a man who, who does not want to be alone in a room with a woman who could be his potential mate. She would have no inclination that this guy is sexually attracted to any woman or has no, any kinds right. of thoughts like this. When you are alone in, in your, your, your wedding chamber, right? <laughs> when you're in your bedroom, right? Like, that is the first time you will be alone yes. together. Not, the, not just the first time you'll have sex. No. First time you'll be alone. Alone. Here's, here's his perfect honeymoon. Take this near stranger into the woods. <laughs> Take her into the woods to a secluded cabin and just fuck her brains out <laughs> for like a week. Right? Like, what yeah. the? What? What? And he proposes to her at the end of the movie, and that's like the 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 sequel to this is like a fucking Tobe Hooper movie. Oh yeah, it's, it's, it's I spit like, on your grave. It's it's, it's, it's an it's, absolute horror film. It's awful. <laughs> <All right>. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe we should let the people rediscover yeah. this one for themselves. There's so many highlights. It's it's just nonstop. And this one also this takes us back to the brief period of the cock cast because mm. uh, I make my my own classic old fashioned. Um, in the in the show, so enjoy that as well. Enjoy, um, put together an old fashioned for yourself. Sure, swirl it around and just relax in your easy chair and enjoy old fashioned by the great Rick Schwartzwelder. And now our feature presentation. And then, as far as the romance goes, I mean, I, I'm not like a big romantic comedy person anyway. Usually, because like this is something we talked about in Holiday, and it's even more stark here, where it's like. I hate these movies where there's no actual barrier to them getting together except that yes. somebody has made up a fucking rule yeah. and they have to follow this rule. And that's like, that's just insane. That's just crazy talk. That's nothing that should be idealized. But There's no barrier there's... except for pages 20 through 45 of the script. <laughs> that's it. it exactly. Because it had to be written into it. Oh, golly. All right, let's get into it. So we open with a quote. For no reason, love makes your soul crawl out from its hiding place. Or a Neil Hurston. It won't come out. It's not going to be important. Don't worry about it. I watched this on Tubi. I don't know where you watched it. I watched it for yep. free with ads on Tubi. Oh, yeah. And I just loved the, the ad before it started on Tubi <laughs> was for Downey. And the commercial was about old people fucking in the closet. <laughs> and their clothes getting wrinkly. So I was just like, oh, yeah, good. Thank you, Downey, for tying this into the reality of the world where people actually like physical contact with other people. Great that we have to turn to Downey commercials for that. Is it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, right off the bat, hey, boy, hey, boy, hey, yeah. boy. There's a man and a woman in a field. They are kind of backlit and shadowy. 
Uh, we hear the man say, I thought I'd always be alone. And a woman says, why? And he says, it's what I deserve. So there's your basic theme of the movie is that penance, this romantic yes. penance that goes on here. Um, the music, it's all cold old fashioned. The, the music is old fashioned. The titles are old fashioned. It has what it thinks is an old fashioned look, which just means amber hued mm-hmm. and sun dappled. Like think 1970s photo album cover. Yeah. That's, that's what we're dealing with here. It's not incompetent. No, that's what I'm going to say. The the first sequence of shots, I was like, hey, this actually might be an like, appealing. Hang on. Yeah. yeah. They, they pop up, but they're tied in between some just, just mind-numbing boredom and blandness. Absolutely. No, it looks pretty enough. Yeah. Like sunsets look pretty. Yeah. You know what I mean? Old-timey cars look pretty, um, but it's super one note. Mm-hmm. It's very dreary and it very as much a movie of the week kind of aesthetic and not really a, a movie movie aesthetic. So we meet Clay. This is our quote unquote hero. Mop top adult man making a chair. He loves the old timey things. He runs an antique store. It's called Old Fashioned. Guess what? He's old fashioned. <laughs> hey. I don't know if you've figured it out yet because the movie is very subtle about things like this. He's uh, old fashioned. He's old fashioned. <laughs> Speaking of Amber Hughes, we Uh-oh. also meet Amber. She is our film's female protagonist slash manic pixie dream girl. Is she a kook, uh, Dan? Oh, she's a little quirky. Dreamcatcher dangling from a rearview mirror. Cat riding shotgun. Yeah, she's a little quirky. Screaming out the window at nothing. Woo, Eastern Ohio. <laughs> Amber, her big plan, we find this out later and we see it in evidence here. She so drives crazy. until her gas runs out. Just until her gas runs and out. And then lives Just- at the place where her gas runs out. Thankfully, her gas ran out in the middle of a town because sometimes- This is what to- I'm like, she's driving through Eastern Ohio, Western Pennsylvania. That's the middle of fucking nowhere. Yes. You are like, she happened to land in this town, which I think is maybe Dover, Ohio. I couldn't find any actual information, but the point is that town has 12,000 people and it's the largest town in the area. You could have in the middle of fucking nowhere. That is a bad plan. <laughs> there are serialized true crime podcasts dedicated to people who did this very same thing. And that's what this movie is in a roundabout way. Again, it just it elides the the actual um, you know murder. Nobody and heard from Amber ever again. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, she runs out of gas. Just runs out of gas. Hops out of the truck. Opens the paper, which she just has a paper classified ads. I was just like, is she a hobo? What's happening? <laughs> yes. Is this a manic pixie dream hobo? She actually turns to her cat and says, what do you think, Mr. Joe? Home? <laughs> like, what the fuck? That is psychotic behavior. Um, but she walks into the store. And honestly, it seems like love at first sight. There's like, you can feel a connection right away. Or at least the movie forces you to yeah. know this, that you feel they feel a connection. We see the title, Old Fashioned. And she's going to rent an apartment above the shop, Old Fashioned, which Clay owns and runs. Um, but right away, hey, hang on, what's this with Clay? He shows her to her apartment, but he stands outside. He won't come in. And he tells her, no, I won't be alone with anyone but my wife. Also, 
I'm not married. Also, I'm a member of Al Qaeda. What? <laughs> this is crazy. This is crazy. This is the central conflict of the movie that he will not be alone with the woman. And he has a lot of other rules, but he will not be oh, alone yeah. with the woman. That's a big one. He runs a shop selling antiques, which uh, the majority of which are probably purchased by female customers. Right? How do you run your business? How do you ring people up? You don't allow women in the store? Is that he doesn't what have do? any assistance. He doesn't have an assistant. He doesn't have... We never see an employee or anything like that. Right? Cashier. No. It's so... It's so creepy. But she thinks it's kind of sweet and not that creepy, which is weird because the implication there is that he can't be alone in a room with a woman without right. sticking sticking something. And we've, yeah, exactly. That's That's the whole point of this is like... Men and women cannot be alone together because yeah. if they are, the temptation to fuck is just all, ever present. It's undeniable. I can't do it. I cannot do it. I cannot. His decision takes all the autonomy of a woman's body away, which is probably the most Christian thing about him. <laughs> when we find out Amber's backstory, though, it is really mm. crazy how eager she is to get this strange. He's strange already. He's get this strange, strange man in this apartment. And she her. she acknowledges that. She acknowledges it many times how odd he is. She calls him stress stress case or stress ball. We find um, out she's been beaten like yeah. by the cast. She's wearing a wearing a cast, a very conspicuous cast. About a month ago. It's recent. Yeah. Yeah. This is weird. This is fucking weird. It's really weird. So we mentioned I mentioned a little bit in the opening about this kind of culture war aspect of the movie. So we get several tastes of what the movie considers bad culture. Bad culture is rap music. Oh, that comes on the radio. We don't like that. It is uh, TV dating shows. Uh-huh. Uh, Girls Gone Wild, <laughs> DVDs, shock jock radio hosts. Uh-huh. Good culture, on the other hand, is anything that existed World War II era or earlier end of list. A hundred percent. hundred percent, man. That's it. I'm old-fashioned. I'm old-fashioned. So now we meet Clay's friends. Are Clay's they two friends. his friends? Really? They, really? Everybody they, has the same sense of humor in this movie where it's, I'm going to just shit on you and yeah. be a sarcastic ass. Yes. So he has two friends. One of them I, is black friend. Because mm-hmm. again, like black cop or black doctor or whatever else, that's that's what he's there for. He's yeah. just there to be the black friend. And we also meet Lucky Chucky. Lucky Chucky, who is taking his very popular small town misogynist talk radio show to yeah. Hollywood. No. Hollywood, no less. It's, it's clarified, Dan. It's Hollywood, Los Angeles. <laughs> they clarify. <laughs> Hollywood, Los Angeles. How did this guy get so big to be a syndicated shock jock in L.A.? From it, Dover, it, Ohio, from this fucking <laughs> podunk town. I, I'm not saying they didn't eat up his show there, but how did it even get heard out of there? It does. It just. Uh, it's nonsense. And Lucky Chucky. Let me tell you something about Lucky Chucky. He is Lucky Chucky on the air, uh-huh. and he is Lucky Chucky off the air. This is not one of those I'm just doing a character kind of things. Yeah. Like, like, no. This is like think uh, Crazy Ira and the Douche if they were serial rapists. <laughs> That's Lucky Chucky. I, I will um, say there's some talented actors in here, and I thought this guy was okay. I mean, <laughs> I hated his guts because of oh, yeah. the character, but I, he effectively pulled that off. The friends that are okay. The, yeah. the, the love interest, Amber, is, is good. Yep. Um, but, boy, 
they had to do some work. They you had sure to do some hate work. Clay. You sure hate Clay. Yeah, and we should say just about Rick Swartzwelder's performance. We, we alluded to at the beginning. He there is no variation in his voice. There is no variation in what's happening on his face. He's incredibly stiff, and he gives you. He's just. He's just reading the lines in when a reading joking, the lines kind of way. When he's being serious, it's all the same. And like he's supposedly going through some really deep ass shit because he's questioning everything about his life. He's holding himself in this like self-imposed penance for his past yeah. deeds against women. It ju- he doesn't give you anything. There- he gives you nothing. I don't know. Maybe it, I don't think it could have worked with a good actor, but you might have at least felt some kind of empathy for what he's going on, but not with Rick Swartzwelder. There are scenes where he's playing basketball. There are scenes when he's dancing. There are scenes when he's supposed to be angrily going around town looking for it. He's just <laughs> slowly shuffles. It's the same thing. It's Yeah, it's a zombie-like catatonic Thorazine shuffle. It really is. It really is. Yeah. So, uh, Lucky Chucky, back to Lucky Chucky. You kind of wonder why, why is Clay, who is just an incredibly judgmental person, Mm-hmm. And is is no stranger to just like really you know proselytizing about his theories on life. Why do you hang out with Lucky Chucky, who is like your absolute opposite? And he explains later that these two friends were the only ones who didn't abandon him when he found God and changed his way. But boy, Lucky Chucky <laughs> treats Clay like complete garbage. Yeah. It's just like. Your theories are a bag of farts. Fuck him. I hate you. I'm like, you guys aren't friends. He keeps you around for material. He just bags on you <laughs> and like, uses you for the radio show. He's just your material for his radio show. One of my favorite parts, though, was like, we hear Lucky Chucky doing his morning shock shock pick. <laughs> Women are stupid. It's like, really, dude? That's, I mean, that's what's subtle messaging. She, uh, Amber gets, everybody listens to this <laughs> fucking show, and Amber Seriously. gets so upset. She gets so upset with it, she goes over to her rotary phone, because it's in a furnished apartment, of course. I mean, she really lucked out running out of gas in that goddamn town. Oh, right. She got this furnished apartment. It's got a rotary phone. She calls the radio station. How the fuck does she know the phone number to the radio station? It's a rotary phone. It's not written next to it on the wall like he used to do. (laughs) She just rings up, and the funny thing is she gets right through to Chucky. (laughs) This is a show that's going to LA. Yeah. There's no wait. <laughs> and he's taking the next call. That we got gets. a caller? Oh my God. This has never <laughs> happened in the history of Lucky Chucky. <laughs> yeah, she calls the show, tells him off, and then she says, I will take your asinine insights into male female relationship dynamics off the air. She knows the drill. Yeah. She gets it. Long time listener. <laughs> It's so, it's so awful. It's so awful because she they actually kind of give a shot of her kind of listening, going, "Yeah, he's kind of right. Actually, he does like, kind of hmm, yeah. He knows women. That's right. <laughs> Just like <laughs> yeah, Clay. As it turns out, for essentially a born again virgin, hangs out with a lot of really aggressive perverts, mm-hmm. uh, and one of them is this guy who like sells him antique furniture that he's found and that Clay restores for the shop, and he's married. Mm-hmm. This guy hits on Amber from across the street. She's on like the second floor. He's like on a balcony. He is like a block and a half away yeah. and he's like hitting on her. He's like, you can't even see her from he's here. Like, and you're yeah, hitting he's in on the her. 60s and he's like, he, she's a blur spot. But he's like, oh, I, like, I smell tail. Oh, that's what you bet all my life. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. Clay does not hang out with anyone who believes anything he believes i mean what he believes is no, stupid that's but true 
All, Still, honestly, you can't find anyone in like a small conservative uh, red state town who shares your like fucked up views on women. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, yeah. So Amber needs him to fix her stove, and Clay actually makes her wait outside her own apartment while he fixes her stove. He's just like, you can't even be in a. Di- it's a multi-room apartment. You can't even be in like a different room of it because like fifteen yeah. feet away. In a different room, my dick might just, I don't know. I can't control it. Go outside. And this is her fucking landlord. Yeah. So there's all kinds of weird relationship dynamics mm. with this. I need this thing done. I got to have you in here. Oh, I guess I got to have to remove my whole ass outside because you yes. can't control your dick. But unlike a normal human woman, she is fascinated and not creeped out and disgusted Way by him. Way into it. And his many theories. She's, again, fascinated. Uh, and he talks, she asks about his theories, and, and primarily his theory is, quote, dating doesn't train us to be good husbands and wives. What? What? I, what? Well, because you don't marry the first person you date. Yeah. You don't have to do that. No. This is not the 16th century. You can date someone and be like, I don't actually like you. We have nothing in common. Yep. Let's never see each other again. <laughs> it's so fucking crazy. The point of view of this, the, for him, the whole purpose is to be a married person. Yes. And anything not in service of that is not in his life. She, counterpoint, she says she likes dates because of smiling. This is the debate. This is the debate we're having right now between someone who's like, dating doesn't make you a good husband to... But what about smiling <laughs> and holding hands? Also, the dialogue he gives her, the writer, director, uh, ball of clay. Oh, my God. Yeah. She's always ramping it up to sex right away. Like, mm-hmm. like this solo woman uh, in a new town has nobody around her. It just had a domestic abuse incident shortly before is now quizzing this guy about sex to the stranger. Who's got this weird way who won't let her be in his physical presence. Yes. And he says in a, with a very strong kind of Norman Batesy sort of vibe, as for sex, I'm an all or nothing guy. She responds, not even a little kissy kissy. Is she five? (laughs) What? (laughs) Like, what is happening? He actually makes the point that boundaries are here to protect us, which is like, what? This is stupid wordplay. Come on. Like, all boundaries are here to protect us? I mean, if you extrapolate what he's saying, he's saying, I need this boundary between us because I will fucking attack you. Yes. Like, this is the only thing preventing me from just committing a sex crime right now. Yeah, his, his whole attitude is, it's repellent. It's really repellent. It's holier than thou. It's very judgmental. It's very whiny and and just very stupid and thoughtless and misogynist. So naturally, she's enchanted she's by this way and just into it. fascinated and wants to learn more. Um, and the movie, meanwhile, really works to make us think that he is a good guy. Because capital G good capital g guy just like earlier we had black friend now we have black customer whose yes. whole purpose this whole f- scene is to tell him what a good guy he is and what a great job he is at his work 
Yeah, he did so great. And it's funny because he even says like, well, I've got a story about this. And he's like, well, you don't want to hear my story. And he's like, yeah, tell me your story. And then the guy's like, all right, well. And then the movie cuts away. Like, (laughs) fuck your story. The point is he's a good guy. He was willing to listen to your story. He is nice to old people. He goes back home. There's his aunt, his elderly aunt. He is nice to her. He washes dishes. He listens to her stories. (laughs) These are kind of normal, unexpected things. Just be nice to people. Wash dishes. Like, fucking A. That doesn't make you a fucking hero. Yeah. No, yeah. All right. Flower store. You're hired. Awesome. Tonight we party then, yes? This is Amber getting hired at her new job. Her her boss, her nosy boss, who has a, like, I mean, her boss is such a, like, um, Give me chocolate instead of a man. That's something she actually says later in this movie. This is humor in this movie. I wrote this movie was written by a man because yes. in that scene where she says, I've never met a man who can't, I couldn't replace with a good bar of chocolate. It's like women talking, they would not be talking about like chocolate. Like I've never met a vibrator. I, you know, I, don't, I have a sex toy that could replace any man. So that's the new her new boss at the flower store and then the her new dingbat friend who works there wants to party. Um, she the new bo- is my favorite oh. character in this movie yeah. because she fucking hates clay and I was like <laughs> god damn it somebody has the right point of view. Somebody gets it. <laughs> and when I they also try to portray her as stupid too which yeah. is what also <laughs> you know who wrote the movie. Uh, <laughs> But this is where the new boss tells Amber that Clay was a player yes. in college. So she even knows that he has theories. She's, she's like, oh, oh, did he tell you about his theories? Yes. As she, if you find out she's met him one time. <laughs> she met him one time and like he just like at the drop of a hat is willing to talk about his theories about relationships. Like, oh, God. She And she like, says like, Several of her employees like dated him in college or something like that. Like the movie is trying to make her so much older than Rick, and they are legit the same age. Oh right, yeah. No, it was it was weird. Like he has he has like a mop top kind of you know Brian Wilsony kind of a haircut, but yeah, yeah his face is kind of <laughs> it's a little craggy <laughs> under that uh, too young for like you made haircut. out of clay, you know. <laughs> The movie is sort of like teasing this out, but it's doing it in such a clumsy way that you figure it out from the beginning that Clay was basically like ran some kind of girls gone wild style business. Again, the movie just teases out, but uh, we see him right in like one of the opening scenes, like meaningfully fingering this DVD. (laughs) Right? Like it's just, it's not, it's really bad. The the caption on the DVD was like Brad and Clay return with wild action. (laughs) It's like what, what dudes are renting that going, Oh, what are Brad and Clay up to? That's what I want to know. Yeah. Also, during this part in the bar, when the friend goes to hook up with some fucking jackass who's calling like Tarzan, she looks at this woman sitting at a bar, running her finger along the rim of her glass, and you you get the impression that she doesn't want to be alone. This woman, who packs up and drives until her gas runs out, is now terrified of being alone. (laughs) Oh, yeah. So she goes back home. And there's this really weird scene where she hears him working in his workshop down below. Like she hears the saw going, and she 
strokes the wood planks of her floor <laughs> below her. Say she, <laughs> say she does. Oh boy. Um, Clay also w- w- used to be a sports playing person. Um, so him and black friend play basketball and he, and Clay talks about why dating is bad. Mm-hmm. Like you seriously want to murder him. Like shut the fuck up about it. Like, okay. How many times has this guy heard Clay? Like oh, yeah. you're, you're one of his two friends. How many times have you heard him say this exact same fucking thing? Like it must be absolutely. Is this the one where he says fact? Yes. Fact. And then follows it up with an asinine opinion. <laughs> <laughs> Most people know each other more after a pizza delivery interview than date. That's, than like, that's nonsense. <laughs> like what? Fact. Here's why dating's bad. Yeah. So bad. Fact. Uh, I like ice cream more than no. That actually could be a fact. <laughs> Never mind. So he goes to the supermarket, and who is there at the supermarket? But Amber, and this leads to a little bit of flirting. Which he's actually embarrassed by. It's sort of he he reflexively flirts with her and then feels bad about it. And it's just the grossest thing because he's at the grocery store looking for duct tape, bleach, gloves, <laughs> <laughs> rope, a bone saw. She runs her cart into him and she says something like "Hey creeper" or something like that. She says something like disparaging. He goes "Hey pretty girl," and then it just like the movie shuts down for a bit. Yes, like he says it almost like a threat. So they do flirt a little bit. Um, they run into the black friend at the supermarket, like they were just playing. Bad. I mean, small town, whatever. Um, the black friend basically makes a move for Clay, actually yes. twice, because he invites her to the party, yes. and then at the party is like, "Hey, Clay really likes this girl." Like makes an announcement to everyone that he likes this girl. So they hang out a little at the party. They like each other a little bit more. The black friend gets engaged. He makes the mistake of asking Clay, what would your perfect honeymoon be? <laughs> to Clay, unsurprisingly, the perfect honeymoon would be taking a woman to a cabin in the woods and fucking nonstop. Yeah, right? With a, with, a with f- water, water, but no food. <laughs> so doomsday prepping and just fucking till the cows come home in a Kaczynski cabin. Yes, no no details on whether she is murdered before, whether she's murdered after. There's nothing there about that. His serial killer vibes in this scene are just, they reek. They just ooze through the television. I don't know how it's that can be because Amber says, now that is sexy. Amber that is, is sexy. fucking way she's into like, this. I've been to it. I've been to it. Like, here's the thing. He won't be alone in a room with this woman. Yes. Who he has met many times, who he knows very well. They're friends. He likes her. She knows he likes him. He won't be alone in a room with her. But then they'll get married and he'll abscond with her to a cabin in the woods where no one can hear her screams. <laughs> How the fuck is this guy not a... Oh, he's so creepy. He is really one of the people where we'd be like, well, he was a quiet guy. He never... Oh, the signs were oh, there. He nice. <laughs> Wait, you know what? Hang on. The hair. The hair. Yeah. <laughs> In addition to the treacly sunset vista, yeah. there's this ever-present Django Reinhardt type of guitar strumming yes. acoustic that goes nonstop. Yeah. Throughout this movie. So Amber, of course, she's 
even more enchanted. The weirder and the stranger he gets, the more she's into it. So she actually starts breaking things around her house so that he will come upstairs and she can go outside and sit on the porch while he goes inside and fixes it. And then she'll learn more about his theories. And all Clay wants out of life, we find, to be decent. This is overlaid with shots, <laughs> I shit you not, of Gary Cooper from Frank Capra's Meet John Doe. <laughs> He's literally overlaid to just be like, yeah, I'm John fucking Doe. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> like, I'm the fucking Capra-esque hero. This movie keeps what referencing- What the hell? It keeps referencing better movies. I hate when movies do that, because it's like, I yeah, I, I should be watching <laughs> like, that. Why aren't I watching that? Uh, she asks, did he find Jesus? And he says- more like he found me. Mm. So remember this later when we learn more about his upbringing, more about the members of her, his family. He's really underselling how much of a religious fanatic he yes. has been his entire life. We talked how about much this. He grew up with that in God's Not Dead too, where they talk about like, well, I wasn't a Christian then. It's like, no, you were raised in it. You went to church. You just didn't like consider yourself to have Jesus in your heart or whatever the weird thing you do is. Now you do, and now you call, but you are well believed. It's always been you a part a of your life. It, you know, come on, give me a break. Um, but she says, I think the world has enough greatness, but not enough goodness. Which, first of all, what the fuck was that? But also, again, underlining the main point of this movie, he's a good guy. Good guy. We need more of your goodness and not greatness. This we have also- enough greatness. What? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. This is also where we find out college was only nine years before for him. So he's like 29. Oh, right. Come on. But what's really happening here, Corky, Mm. is that they're getting to know each other without fucking Mm. something that is unheard of. (laughs) I don't don't think it is. (laughs) I don't think it is. Um, so we learn a little more about Amber, the free spirit. Her, we learn that her money jar mm-hmm. signifies when it is time to fill up the car with gas and then drive until she runs out of gas again, hopefully in a town and not in the middle of fucking nowhere. Um, see that also, I mean, again, she, the money jar tells her when it's time to go. So when she fills the jar, then she can fill up her car and go. There's like 20s in there. How much does she think gas costs? But also it kind of makes you think like, how does she apporting this apartment? It also (laughs) indicates that she only left her other boyfriend, not because he beat her, but because her money jar was full. Like, (laughs) was it, was it almost full? You know, did he know about this? She also says that her last boyfriend broke her hand because she wore clear nail polish. Yes. And he didn't want her to wear nail polish. And she says he was nothing like you. It's like, are you sure? No, 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 no. Are you sure? She pointedly says, it sounds like something you would do or something like that. And he's like, and he, he fucking jokes about it. He says, well, what was the color? Like. Ah ha ha! Maybe if it was red or black, yeah, yeah. I might have. Might have I, I might hand. break your hand. You don't know. Yes, I will break. It your also hand. makes you wonder, like, how many towns has she been to? Like, <laughs> she's a serial monogamist. You just fill up a jar and then you just drive off. <laughs> just fucks her first landlord she meets. So they decide. Okay. Yep, we're doing this. We're going to. We're going to date. We're going to pursue some sort of a relationship, which means that they are going to move 
slower somehow somehow they move slower the movie's not even half fucking over at this point and they're like let's move slower let's let's clear the complete lack of barriers and really really bring it down so first thing they decide okay relationship what do you do he takes her directly first thing to a church this like again like god found me i don't go to church i'm not super religious in that way this guy is a fanatic the first thing he does before they can even go on their first date he goes down there marches her to the church so they can get marriage compatibility workbooks to fill out dude like even the priest is like seriously seriously bro this is cult indoctrination shit because he takes her to a spiritual leader to advise him on the course of their next set of, and then starts training her to get all her answers from a book. That's what he's doing. Right. That, it's, it's baby you, steps to the Bible. Yes. The red, yellow, green book. It, it, it's, it is more demeaning than the cult's trivia test that Steve Gutenberg gives in Diner. <laughs> Like, this is insane. He actually makes her prove yes. that she's good with kids. Makes her oh. prove that she's good with kids by being around a child. <laughs> oh, my God. And every time they hang out, we I asked earlier, I pontificated on what constitutes a date. To him, what constitutes a date is just spending time reading a book together, not talking, not learning about each other, just answering these random questions, these fucking navel-gazing questions of each yes. other. And reading separate books, because that's a little too intimate, sharing a book. Yeah. They literally never even share a fucking book, for fuck's sake. But you definitely feel some kind of spark, because when Clay looks at Amber and gives that little bit of a half smile, you really do get the feeling that he wants to eat her skin. <laughs> so uh, Clay also finds out that his ex-girlfriend is coming to town for the black friend's wedding. So, uh-oh, conflict. Good, because we're like two-thirds of the way through the movie. Um, they roast marshmallows together. Yep. And Quirky, you remember I said she was quirky, right? That is, so she uses the marshmallow stick as a fake microphone. <laughs> <laughs> I think at this point, I just wrote still with the books. It's like scene after scene of this shit. Seriously. Give it a rest. They go to a diner where there's a debate going in the diner about Sleepless in Seattle. Well, somebody mentions in the diner that they saw Sleepless in Seattle. And then he says he hates Sleepless in Seattle because he's the Bill Pullman character in Sleepless in Seattle. He's the the nice, quiet guy with cat allergies. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Why don't nice guys get the girl? That's the, who he is. And he's nice. Not like that evil piece of shit tom hanks <laughs> but bill but bill pullman was charismatic i mean he had a like he wasn't loathsome in his behavior outside of just kind of being not her style not her flavor yeah amber also finds a checklist that he wrote on the back of a placemat in this town's one diner and he made it in an earlier scene we didn't mention it but um she reads this checklist and it's basically a checklist of things he wants to do in a relationship she reads out loud respect her emotions as well as her body check oh my god I, I didn't catch that part what a good guy 
I respect actually, your body. <laughs> what? Remember I said they don't share books? They go to a library. This is, I guess, their next not a date. But they go to a library to read quotes from books. Yeah. Separate books. <laughs> One of them reads a Martin Luther King Jr. quote. It's like, what book is this that you fucking read? It's like, random quote. It's like, who's that from? Martin Luther King Jr. So you know it's fucking good. <laughs> Somewhere in this, she starts like begging him, like begging him to compliment her, begging him to like, you know, say something nice, do something nice for her. And I was really sitting there going, okay, part of this is me hating that what they're trying to do is make women vain, vanity, superficiality, all that kind of shit. But then I was like, no, that's humanity. That's just you want if you're lack, if you're not going to give me the physical attention I need. I need some kind of attention. Make yourself about me instead of your fucking penance. And I will say, though, the the, the Girls Gone Wild style video that he makes doesn't <laughs> seem so Girls Gone Wild. It seems more like a snuff film. It's like <laughs> drugged women at a bar. But I was just like, yeah, fucking give her something. She She's begging for it. This is human interaction. There are... No, again, he he shows no emotions. He shows no reactions. He he gives no even impression that he really even likes her. I mean, why as a person would you want to invest your emotions in a relationship where the other person doesn't like you? Yeah, right. I mean, and, and will not even tell you they like you. Think about when the times you've been in love or you've been around someone. There's a physical chemistry there. Like something good happens, you celebrate with a kiss. It doesn't have to be a deep kiss. It's just a quick kiss, peck on the lips. He won't even give that up, right? Mm-hmm. And that's just too far. Yeah. What the fuck? So Clay, they he felt the the date in the library where they read separate books, traded inspirational quotes, went pretty well. He says, All right, I'm ready to break down. Come to my house. Come to my house. <laughs> With my aunt, of course. We can't be alone in a room together. Oh. <laughs> um here again this is where you really see how much he was underselling the whole like god found me as a as a college senior or whatever right religious stuff everywhere this is his mom's old house religious stuff everywhere all over the place his aunt his elderly aunt demands that they pray uh-huh pray now before dinner he pulls out his personal bible it is annotated with handwritten notes, dog-eared, stuffed with meaningful pictures. <laughs> like, way underselling the fundamentalism here. I mean, like, they oh, greet yeah. each other with, this is the thankful for the day the Lord has given us, I shall rejoice in his name, or something like that. Like, they Just, really fucking go They're on. really into it and yeah. go for it, but he really did not accurately represent himself <laughs> at all. Um. He kind of opens up a little bit about his past. He basically says that he's kind of serving a penance, this sort of self-imposed penance for hurting his ex-girlfriend. He hurt her, and now he feels bad. And so take that, all women. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, grandma or aunt says, ask her to go to church with you sometime. To which Amber replies, you go to church? <laughs> like, what? <laughs> what? Pay attention, Amber. But he, he actually says no, because basically because he thinks he's better than all of them. Uh-huh. Oh, Rick. Like, that's it. Rick thinks he's better than a lot of people. Those Christians date people. 
They watch TV dating shows. They listen to rap music, possibly. They don't have theories <laughs> about every single thing. They know, right? I mean, they're, they were annoyed when I told them my theories. Like, yeah. He doesn't go to church because he thinks he's better than all of the Christians. That's it. He's got. He's in his own church of himself. It's almost kind of like Kirk Cameron and Saving Christmas. Like, they think they're better than the other Christians. Yes. Uh, I never thought about that so much, but Christians must really have this whole like they're persecuted, but they World also think <laughs> I'm I'm more persecuted than other Christians too. Um, but they do go to church, and he holds her hand, and uh, she says, "When he held my hand in that church, it felt like home." Her friend, her boss, and her friend at the flower shop—they're not as sold on this guy, though. Boss actually says, "Here's the DVD." Watch the DVD. College co-eds exposed. X Dude, spelled with an X. <laughs> the fucking Mushnik's floral delivery had better relationship dynamics than this fucking florist. Audrey, too, was in a better, less abusive relationship. I guess that would just be Audrey, huh? Not Audrey, too. Yeah. Oh, but yeah, she she gets shown the DVD, but she says no. Not interested. Not going to watch. So now we cut to Black Friend. Oh, a bunch of dudes in a hotel room. Let's go. We're going to go to the steakhouse, and we're going to make this a bachelor party you never forget because we're going to eat steak. <laughs> but what's this? There's a knock on the door. Uh-oh. Hey, there's a lot of noise up here, Uh-oh. you guys. A lot of noise. There's a stripper who's going to strip because of the noise. So that's actually it's a hotel room stripper. Clay freaks the fuck out, shuts it down. His friends know he him. could leave. He they, could leave, but they at know. Any point. Why yes. did they fucking bring this guy? Oh, absolutely. Why was he invited at all? But yeah, he could leave. He could just walk out. He could. He could just go in the bathroom and hide. Whatever. He shuts it down. Yeah. Shuts it down. He's like, that door is closed, and there's a woman in here with me. Open the door. <laughs> Open oh, the that's door. Right. That's what that was about. I did. I was yes. like, "Why is he saying open the door?" Oh my fucking god! They need to open the door. It had to be about his stupid ass promise to nobody. Yes, uh, Lucky Chucky is there. He takes a big old shit on Clay, rightly so in a way. Clay leaves the black friend. Oh, they're gonna strip, and he's like, "No, no, no, no stripping today." I mean, so they're all gonna go to the steakhouse. The bodyguard. In my humble opinion, rightly shakes him down or tries to shake him down for the stripper's lost tips, which would have been several hundred fucking dollars, which starts a small shoving match. But really, again, Clay is a good guy. He wouldn't let the stripper make money, and so her children won't eat today. But see, that's the fucked up thing. He's a good guy in this as long as you believe as i believe because it's not a good guy to walk up to someone's job someone's job where they this is how they make their money pay their rent pay their bills feed their family and be like you can't do your job because of my fucking you don't like it walk out the door see you guys at the steakhouse or i'm going home whatever that's all you had to do it doesn't have anything fucking to do with you clay (laughs) nothing at all i've been to several black bachelor parties 
These guys would have been coked up, drunk, and desperate to see some titties. And you just took all of that. There might have been a gun in that room, too, I, being in rural Ohio. He should have had his ass beat three ways from Sunday. But he's undeterred. He he still feels like he's he's the persecuted one, of course. He pounds a basketball. Amber rips up old pictures. Amber, <laughs> this is great. She takes the plastic wrap off of her brand new Bible. <laughs> I got a new Bible. Let's I love crack, I love cracking the seal on a fresh buy, bro. Cracking that seal, just <laughs> smelling the Jesus off that thing. Oh, I, so she's he's really bringing her around to his. You know, I'm not super Christian. You know, God found me. Whatevs, whatevs. I wasn't looking. Hey, hey. But um, get into oh a, a Corinthians. Maybe get into some uh, fucking just popping that seal. Just keep it super chill like that. Uh, she also <laughs> considers watching college co-eds exposed, but it's like, no, no, no. I have it. I'm going to look at it. I'm going to look at the cover. It's going to be here, but I'm not going to watch it. I'm not going to watch it. That is really the Chekhov's DVD of this movie. Huh? It's like, <laughs> it's brought up incessantly. So they go out to a field. They're doing this thing where they have a hat full of stuff oh, yeah. and it, it's some kind of weird i mean this because this is like a bachelor type of a thing it's like pull something out of a hat some kind of cryptic message all right we're off on some adventure you don't know anything about so they it says get lost and so they get in the car and they drive which is how she drive. lives her life exactly I'm like, are they just going to drive until they get, like, fill up on gas first? Hey, this this chick really likes to run out of gas. So they canoodle a little bit. in a, Well, they don't canoodle. They sit in a field. Yep. They sit in a field. Normal humans would canoodle, but they sit in a field. The song, as they sit chastely in the field, I'm going to quote the lyrics here, Quirky. Okay. We're floating round and round <laughs> and upside down, searching for the things our parents found uh, but love is not the way it was back then it gets complicated when the skies don't mend what what <laughs> <laughs> what it gets complicated when the skies don't mend searching for something like, our parents found that is such a fetishization of the past Right. Um, your parents never had a fucking fight. Your parents. Oh, no, everything was great. 50% of marriages in a divorce. Maybe you come from the third marriage. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, but yeah, to Clay, really dating is fucking. We mentioned it before, but it really is underlined in this scene. No, and he, he does not want anyone to fuck. She you know? says, it's... Why don't we have a normal date? He goes, Oh, normal date? You mean like when two people jump in the sack and don't talk to each other? It's like, Bro. <laughs> Or what like a movie, <laughs> or, or just like a restaurant. Like that's. It's... I mean, this other people do what you're doing. You're not so fucking special, dude. Really? It's just they end it by you know relieving their human desires. He's also a big fan of backing up his points with like semantic wordplay. Well, she says something about you know words, and he said, "He's why won't you say I love you or something like that?" And he says. I wasted a lot of words. I don't want to waste any more. And then she says, well, that doesn't score you a lot of points. And he says, it's not about scoring points. He says he doesn't want to waste words, but this this guy is the king of wasting words. It is all he does is waste words. People are sick to sh fucking death of this guy. <laughs> he yeah. can't do it. But she tempts him. He resists. He actually 
pulls away. She goes in for a kiss. He pulls away, like pulls his whole body like away, just like rips himself. Just boom, away. Heisman, just stiff arms. <laughs> <laughs> he went into beast mode. Was just like, <laughs> get up off of me. She went back 15 yards. Um, so this drives a wrench in them for some reason. What? Why, why wouldn't it? She actually has a normal human reaction, which is to be offended when he recoils from her kiss. Um, so now she's like, you know what? I'm going to watch college co-eds exposed. <laughs> so she watches the DVD. She see her watching it she is weeping <laughs> she is weeping i mean who amongst us huh hasn't just shed a tear during a good girls gone wild dvd sometimes i want a good cry i want to cry <laughs> you, you know does it one of us or what <laughs> do i put on that no i put on girls gone wild college girls exposed College girls exposed. Describe the video. It's it's almost like a dream sequence of three girls Mm -hmm. looking into the camera, just kind of dancing like Christina Aguilera in uh, a video, and that's it. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's not bad. You're supposed to think, oh, it gets much worse. Oh yeah. Well, she turns it off because it's just too abhorrent. Because she's just fucking crying. She's had a good cry. Yeah. And he hears her watch it too oh he does he well yeah well he's kind of below and you can kind of hear it i think it's supposed to be like he hears her like oh my god she's listening to the dvd i mean she listens to it really loud it's not subtle um so he gets a little distraught meanwhile she prepares to skip town she's like i got a full jar this guy (laughs) used to make he's not giving me a full jar (laughs) (laughs) so her flower store buddy, her idiot flower store buddy, is like, all right, we're going out tonight. We are going out. We can party because yep. your Christian boyfriend has fucking dumped you, basically. Besides, you're in your physical prime and you haven't been laid in a while. Let's go. Yeah. So her coworker, they go to the bar, the one bar in town. Mm-hmm. And who does her coworker snag for a rebound fuck? Lucky Chucky. So, but what? Okay. He he moved to L.A. I understand the buddy's wedding or something is coming up. What is he doing hanging around that town? He just flies back and forth to this little podunk Ohio town in he's L.A. Here. He's not here. He's not. Yeah. <laughs> he's all over the place. Like he's, like, he's like, L.A. scene, no women. The bars in Ohio, in rural Ooh. Ohio, that's where I score, bro. Crawling. <laughs> So, yeah, she doesn't know that it's Lucky Chucky, and Lucky Chucky doesn't know that this is uh, his quote-unquote friends. That might yeah, actually uh, girl. provide some drama or tension when they perhaps see each other at the wedding. It, well, exactly, right? But don't worry, that won't happen. Um, Clay, because he is so decent, starts acting like a psycho stalker. He, like, follows her all over. He's banging on her door in the middle of the night. He runs to her work. Oh, it's closed. He runs to the bar that she like. I mean, it's like... He ran to her house and her work and the places <laughs> like this. It's real fucking so stuff. He runs upstairs. He runs upstairs. Yes. Run, says, "Oh, she's not home. She must be elsewhere. It's nighttime. She must be doing a nighttime floral delivery." Runs to her work. And what is he gonna do? Talk to her from outside? It's so fucking stupid. Wait, he was in they, cars with her. People fucking cars. I, I, 
the the whole I won't be in a room with you thing doesn't really play by the same rules. But yes, he runs to the bar and the friend says she already left with some guy. And she we see her going to the hotel with Lucky Chucky. Um, he goes into the room. She stops just short of the doorway. Meanwhile, Clay's ex-girlfriend, Kelly, also shows up at this his store. This is really weird. And this is, we have this scene of these two different couples who are facing each other in doorways. They're standing at the thresholds. Remember, being in a room together, man and a woman, you will fuck. You will fuck. It will happen. Not in a car, so, but in a room. That's, yes. that's the implication, is that if these people enter these rooms, if they cross these thresholds, fucking will happen. Absolutely. Worst thing possible. You are saying, I consent to fucking you because yes. I'm entering a room with you alone. No, absolutely. It's let the right one in. Whatever, whatever <laughs> happens, once you've been invited in, it's your, it's your own fault. You're getting so eaten one way or the other. These two women, uh, these two men, uh, they're standing at thresholds. They're making a decision. Um, we see Clay and Kelly embrace, but the movie cuts away a little bit. They seem to kind of infer, yeah, Clay and Kelly may have got together, but they cut away. They're embracing. From, like, she comes up from a, a hug from behind, which, personally, yeah. that is the move I loathe of all, above all uh, from women uh, <laughs> partners who come up and hug from behind. I just fucking hate that. But... This scene and the whole framing of the specifically the Amber and Lucky Chucky, this is filmed by someone who's never had a one night stand in their life or mm. who thinks this very predatory way as how one night stands go. Because it is it's almost stare it's almost like scenes from the Exorcist. It's so sterile and just yeah. like the process of walking down a hotel room, we're not talking, we're not even interacting. I go in, I unlock, you come in after. It's so gross. It's like a. It's almost like a, um, uh, uh, sex worker and John setup. Then yeah. it is uh, two people mutually attractive who want to get their rocks off. Yeah. Well, again, like we said, the the logic of it is basically the logic of a sex predator, which is that if we're in a room together, like something's gonna happen. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's just it's it's disturbing, honestly. Anyway, um, but yeah, Clay and Kelly embrace. The movie cuts away. Wedding day morning. Amber. Goes, is coming home. Walk of shame, maybe? Mm-hmm. She sees Kelly come out of the house. Hang on. But we see that Clay, dot, 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 slept in his truck. Don't worry. He wasn't in a room with a woman. She knows where he lives. Yeah. Because he doesn't live at the store. She just lives above the store. He's there. Yes. But Okay. So she knows where he lives. So that mm-hmm. means... They've been at times where they've gone to his house and he's like, stay outside. I'm going inside. I'm going to go grab something. Do you need to use the bathroom? Well, I'm going to come outside. You go inside. So they've really had to do that fucking charade. I'm sure. Well, they had dinner. Uh, there. Remember the dinner with the aunt? That was at his house. Okay. So that was acceptable. But the aunt was there, so it was fine. They wasn't alone with yeah. her. He couldn't rape her in front of his aunt. Don't worry. <laughs> So Amber reads a Bible verse and then's like, I'm going to go and I'm going to go back. I'm going to see Clay. She apologizes for, I can't even understand why she's apologizing. Nope. She says, I don't want normal. I want you. Okay. Reconciliation. She has every right to believe that this guy has just been full of shit this entire time because she watches a woman walk out of his house early in the morning. She has every right to be thinking like, 
Oh, he's fucking full of it. I have no reason to feel guilty. Nope. She's certainly no reason to apologize. Yes. I'm so sorry. I was so wrong. You were so right. You're such a capital G good guy. He still nags her a little bit (laughs) about almost hooking up with a guy. (laughs) Yeah. And he basically is like, no, I slept in my truck. Don't worry about it. You know, again, after she's already apologized, but whatever. She, we see her packing up her stuff, seemingly ready to leave. Meanwhile, his aunt is talking, and it's so poorly arranged and cut here too. And to give like some fake ass like suspense, ridiculous. The aunt tells him, "If you were any more self-absorbed, you would be a dot." What nonsense! Uh, which is overlaid with a shot of Clay mope walking in a black trench coat. It's like Ooh. this is my mope. By boat walking trench coat. <laughs> <laughs> it's different than my introspective train track walking white collar shirt, but I'm still wearing the Chuck Taylors. In the middle of the ant's pep talk, we find that Amber has already made like another romantic <laughs> overture. She's done this very romantic thing where she took his checklist and said, like, yes, check, you you did it, check, and puts it in an old fashioned jar. And drops it off as his door at his door, and he still like needs to go to his aunt to get permission to like to go to her. I, it's just it's, he's still mulling it over. His aunt actually tells him, "Be a man." <laughs> it's just like, stop coming around, <laughs> please. Let me die. Meet uh, another woman to talk to. So she, doesn't she also take her money and enrolls in college? How much <laughs> fucking money was in that jar? <laughs> so he finally yeah oh, right because we learn at one point that she's like three credits shy of having her yeah. degree in in manic pixie dream girling she has to go make herself worthy for him yes that'll do it um so finally 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 he makes a romantic gesture and because the romantic gestures have been kind of piling up and blocking up in him a little bit he just sprays just everywhere. It's an uncontrollable. It's like when your pee splits into like multiple streams. He's just like, ah, God, I can't control it. I can't control it. <laughs> so he goes way too big. He goes way too big. He's like, all right, here's my romantic gesture. Go on a fucking date. Go to the movies in a restaurant. And eh, wrong. No, prepare for marriage. He gets a driver. Remember the old married pervert we met? He's her driver. They stop off and get her a dress. The boss comes out and delivers flowers to the car, drops her off at the supermarket where they flirted. She talked earlier about sand between her toes because people in movies just love sand between her your toes. That's real living in movies is feeling sand between yeah. your toes. That's it. Mm-hmm. Nothing else. Uh, there's a live band inside this candlelit supermarket. Take she's guided to the baby food aisle. Good God. Uh and he proposes, he gets down on one knee, he says, I love you. She says, I love you too. He says it won't be easy. Um, but he feels pretty confident that the conversion therapy worked this time. He really the Reverend really prayed it away. Um <laughs> so okay, we're good, right? Passionate kiss to uh to bring it out and bring it all home. And he nuzzles a little and sort of kisses her cheek a little bit freeze frame yeah freeze frame the end the end again so he still won't be alone in a room with you or kiss you on the mouth but don't worry once you get married (laughs) 
<laughs> He's taking you to a cabin in the woods. Run, Amber, run. <laughs> put gas in your tank and drive as far as you can. Get a Prius. Oh. oh, quirky. That's it. That's our movie. It's called Old Fashioned. I've drank two Old Fashions, so I'm ready to wrap this sucker up. Anything to say before we give our ratings? So I guess this guy, Rick Schwartzwilder, felt the heat right away from how shit it was and kind of offered up during some Q&As and some interviews that this was supposed to be the story of he's wrong. Like he's not – this is this is his conversion into that or being shown that. That's not Horse the movie. Shit. That Horse is shit. Yeah, exactly. And if you need to point that out – that's bullshit. The movie makes him the hero in every yes. single aspect, every time. Even when the stripper accosts him, he didn't have to come up with that money. He stuck to his guns. He got his way. He took the brunt. He's the he's the persecuted man at that point for sticking up for what is right. And what the fuck is right with this whole nonsense attitude anyway? The, the tagline in the movie is chivalry makes a comeback. What was yeah. chivalry but like 14th century pickup artistry? It's just fucking dudes creating a new set of rules to fuck chicks. Yeah. Quirky, just to remind everybody about our ratings. <laughs> Run of the mill bad film. <laughs> Sorry. What? I, I just meander so much. I, I no, just, that was good. I'll have a train no. of thought and then I'll go off. I've, this has been a big meandering episode for me as well. All right. So let's remind everybody about our ratings. Run of the mill bad. That's a dare. Next level, truly atrocious, that's a double dare, and a movie we actually like, Reverse Dare. Corky, what do you rate? Old Fashioned. Old Fashioned gets an old-fashioned double-barrel dare. That's mm. fucking... Mm. I, there, this movie is appealing to look at. I will say that. There are shots in it, and he's actually got an eye, in, in some cases, for at least watching people walk on screen, talk, interact on screen. <laughs> but... This movie could not be helped by a better lead because of the point of view is so odious and disgusting. I think I think I hated that more than I hated his yeah. performance, and I really mm -hmm. hated his performance. Uh, Double Dare, and it's long. <sighs> this movie, this movie could have used like forty minutes cut out of it. There's so much filler too. There's mm -hmm. so much filler. I'm just like, wow, whole scenes could just come wholesale right out of this movie. Whole characters could be lost. This this movie does not need to be 114 minutes. He refused to edit himself in yes. any sh way, shape, or form. He refused to cut out any of his moments. Double dare. Awful. Never watch it. But um happy to have done this service for our valued listeners. Absolutely. That's all we have for you on this episode of Dare Daniel, but we'll be back in two weeks to review another one of your movie dares. Until then, send your most sadistic or altruistic movie dares to us at daredaniel.com. And be sure to follow Dare Daniel Pod on Schmeed. That's Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Like and rate us on all those podcast apps. You can read more of my movie reviews on the Dare Daniel website at daredaniel.com. Corky. Mm. What are you doing? What are you up to? What What's I'm, your old-fashioned ways? I'm performing at bachelor parties where I will enter <laughs> scantily clad until a creepy man, dead-eyed man, will kick me out and I won't be able to pay rent. So look for me at this Sacramento comedy spot having fun, performing yeah. inside. 
Um, vaccine passports, masks up. Let's beat this thing. Get yourself vaxxed. Do it. For Dare Daniel, I'm Daniel Barnes. And I'm Corky McDonald uh, saying, this is it. <laughs> I did like his friend <laughs> telling him to shut the fuck up. This is it. Not a word. Not a word. <laughs> Bye-bye.